What's up, everybody? It's Reese, and I'm here with Jason and Akeem, and we're the Diversified Gentlemen. And today, we have the honor of having a special guest, Lene. So I'm going to let her tell her about herself. So let's start off. What makes you diversify? Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to share my story on your show. I really hope that it inspires someone to just do something that they've always wanted to do with their life. Um, so what makes me diversified? Uh, I think one of the, the things that make me diversified is that I've lived in like um, seven different countries. It's about to be eight coming when we moved to the UK. So I'm originally from Bermuda. Bermuda is a very small, small island um, just east of uh, North Carolina. Uh, and we are very tiny. Uh, and so if you want to do anything exciting, anything interesting outside of going to the beach, which obviously is phenomenal, you have to like leave the island. So I grew up traveling. It was something that I, I did since I was like six years old. I went to Disney World for the first time. Another thing really interesting about Bermuda is now it's a little bit different. But when I was growing up, they didn't have universities. So if you wanted to get a, a degree, you had to leave again. Like there, there's no way, there was no way for you to actually get a four-year degree and stay uh, in the country. Now mm. it's a little bit different. They have a lot of partnerships with American and British schools, but back then you had to leave. Um, so I always knew there was always kind of this international atmosphere. Obviously it's a tourist destination. Uh, we're big in international business and insurance. So there were a lot of expats there as well. So I was always surrounded by different cultures just from being born in Bermuda. Um, and so I left Bermuda for the first time when I was 17. I did a study abroad program in Venezuela uh, and I learned Spanish. I hated it for the first two months. Um, but my mom was like, you're not coming home. She was like, you have to stick this out. Um, and I think that was probably the smartest thing that she ever did because um, I knew that nothing could be harder than that. And so I was never afraid. After that, I was never afraid to take on a challenge because it just didn't seem as hard as like literally being dropped in the middle of nowhere with a language that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, so having that challenge early on really kind of just like pushed me into like go mode. So from Venezuela, I then moved to Toronto, Canada to do my undergrad degree um, in economics and then the recession hit. Uh, and so a lot of, I don't know if, if uh, you know anyone who graduated around 2009, 2010 but there weren't really any jobs. <laughs> so a lot of us were like, cool, we don't want to work anyway. Let's just get another degree. So we decided, I decided to get a master's degree, um, but Canada was really cold. And so I decided to go as far south as I could afford, ended up in Atlanta, Georgia. So I did uh, grad school in Atlanta, Georgia, which was really nice. And I, I studied economics both times. Uh, and the thing about economics, I think it's actually really diverse because economics encompasses um, money, finance, it encompasses um, government policies. It also encompasses culture and society as well. Um, so you're getting a mix of a bunch of different things in, in one area. Uh, so after grad school, I decided to move to Europe, ended up getting a job in FinTech. Um, so FinTech is, is like a mix between, it's like a, a mix between like the finance world and the technology world. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a, a good mi middle point for what I had studied and what I was interested in. And living in Amsterdam, I think was the Netherlands in general was the first time I was in like such a white space. Like I had never been around so many, so much whiteness <laughs> at one point. 
Um, and I was the only black person in the entire organization. It wasn't huge, it was like 400 people, but it was just me. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the Netherlands actually has a huge black population. So to be the only black person in a company where there are already black people that live in this country, I thought was really strange. Also, I didn't really have a community of black women or black people that I could relate to who I could talk to about some of the microaggressions that I was going through, some of the things that I struggled with. And so myself and a group of friends created, uh, created a group called Amsterdam Black Women, which is really just a support community for black women who moved to Amsterdam from all over the world. There were women from the Caribbean, from America, from the UK, from the continent, uh, and even some women from the Netherlands as well. And so we would do different workshops. We would have different talks and discussions, um, conferences and things like that, just to build support and, and community. Um, and so that was a really pivotal point in my life because that's when I realized like, I wanna contribute to the conversations that help push our culture forward and help expose us to different things that we didn't know about, different ways of being successful, different things that we wanna do. Um, and then I met Brendan, uh, who's my husband now, at the time was my boyfriend and he was, um, he was in the military. So any anyone who's married to someone in the military or dating someone in the military, like, you know, whatever life you have, you're giving that up and you're going to have to move because that, that person is not going to quit their job. Mm. You're going to have to be the one to accommodate. So I started uh, taking my fintech experience and looking in, in different different things that would allow me to make money online. So I started looking into like remote work and I actually started two businesses. So the first business, and they both failed. They did terribly. The first one I started was I was selling hair um, and it did terribly. And then the next business I started was helping um, black women move overseas, which also did bad. And I couldn't figure out like why my businesses were failing. Like I'm smart, you know, you tell yourself like, I'm super smart, why is this not working? So I started to have conversations with successful black women business owners that I knew or I had seen uh, online and I would just introduce myself and say, hey, do you have like 15 minutes to talk to me about how you got to where you are and some of the challenges you faced? And, um, you know, because it just seems so easy for you. And for me, it just seems really hard. And they told me like every single one of them were like, girl, we're struggling too. This is hard for everybody, right? It's, it's never easy. The difference is we did X, Y, and Z and this helped push us forward, right? And so I realized that, you know, if, if I was having these questions, there were probably a lot of other uh, women out there who were having these questions as well um, uh, and didn't necessarily have the exposure because of the way that we were raised. Our parents' uh, generation, I think, raised us to be survivors, right? Raised us to go to college, get the good degree, get the good job. And so we don't necessarily know anything outside of that. And so I wanted to expose our community to those conversations around, okay, this is how you start a real estate business, or this is how you start a hair business, or this is how you become an influencer, or this is how this is how you create a finance business. You know what I mean? And I wanted to expose our community to those conversations, but also the challenges around it so that we can say to ourselves, okay, I'm going to do that exact same thing. I'm having that challenge. She had that challenge and she made it. So that means I can make it as well. Uh, and that's how the, the Gold Standard Podcast came about. And it actually did really well uh, from the beginning uh, because secretly I was taking the advice that these women were giving me on the podcast and using it for myself. And it helped me to learn how to market. It helped me to learn how to create my uh, brand and things like that. Uh, and then I, I realized that I had a knack for explaining the difficult part of podcasting or just kind of like taking the concept 
of like all of this stuff all over the place and putting it together. And so people would ask me like, how do you start a podcast? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I was like, let me just create a guide and put it out there. And then it was like, well, I need to talk to you about this, whatever, whatever. And so I would send videos to people like, okay, here's how you do it. And so then eventually I just took all those videos and created a program uh, for anyone who wants to start a podcast to grow their brand, to make it easier for them to do that. Um, and that's pretty much how I got to, to where I am now. Hey, something you mentioned, I want to go back to it. I think I, I like a lot is that you're where you are now started from a point of failure. Like you said, you've point, you yeah. failed at two businesses and that yeah. kind of drove you to go forward, uh, going, going forward next. It's not something you can just done naturally. So where would that come from? That perseverance to, to not just fail, but to bounce back and use that energy to go forward and be successful. So what, what gave you that, that kind of drive to do that? That's a great question. I think it was two parts. Like I said, um, I, I've always been the type of person who goes after what they want. Um, but like I said early on, that experience in Venezuela was extremely difficult. Um, and I just remember, like, there's no worse failure than like trying to tell someone you're hungry and you have no idea how to like. It's just there's no there was nothing that could be more difficult than that. Um, and then also my mom, right? So my mom went back to college at like 38 with like four kids and a mortgage. So to see her go from like not having that degree to having it and then pushing through with all of that, I just never felt like I was in a, I never felt like I was in a position where I could just be okay with not um, moving forward. Like if she's able to quote unquote fail and go back to school, I have no kids. I had at the time, no husband. I had no responsibilities. I had a paycheck that was coming into my account. Like I can spend my energy and time on this. Uh, and fail and then come back and fail again and then come back again. So I think those two things really like stuck with me and it just never felt like, it never actually felt like failure to me. It just felt like, okay, this is obviously not how you're supposed to do it. So maybe there's another way. Mm -hmm. That's I really liked about what you had just said about failure and not looking at it as failure. You looked at it yeah. as like, okay, I, I learned from my mistakes. You looked at it as yeah. more, it's like more of a mistake than an actual failure. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what I should do because those results just didn't turn out in my favor. So let me yeah. try it a different way. Um, I want to go back to uh, just the countries that you've been to. You said that you've been to what, seven, seven different countries. Lived yeah, I've lived, in, I've lived in seven countries. Yeah. So with 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 that, it, I mean, obviously, you know, you have. I'm pretty sure you have friends that have never been outside the states before. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you tell them in regards to getting out of the country and just experiencing these other cultures and different yeah. environments? Yeah, um, there's two things, I think. So one, I would say like, it's because I, I found like when I lived in uh, Georgia, I found there were two different kinds of people. There were people who were like, both of them wanted to travel. There were people who were like super adventurous just really scared and then people who were like I want to go but I just don't know if I'm gonna like like the food or, or anything so for the people who are super adventurous just buy the ticket buy the ticket and then when the, when the day comes just go like I feel like a lot of times when you have when you spent that money there's something about spending money on something investing in something <laughs> kind of forces you to follow through right yeah. especially if you're spending a thousand dollars to go to Europe so I think buy the ticket and you will figure it out. That thousand dollars will force you to go get your passport. It'll force you to make well, your plans. You know what I mean? And then for those who are kind of like 
tiptoeing into traveling who like maybe they their parents have never traveled they've never been on a plane even in the u.s i would say go somewhere super close like mexico or to the caribbean somewhere that's not so different um, but still will give you that exposure just to kind of get your feet wet and then after that you can go somewhere else because the worst thing you could do right is if if you're not mentally ready to like go to I don't know, Spain or go to like Ghana and you get there, it's, it's going to be a disaster and everything's going to go wrong because you have that mentality. So I say for those who aren't ready yet, go to Mexico um, or even travel throughout the U.S. a little bit before you go, just somewhere very different. Uh, go to the Caribbean or like Puerto Rico, somewhere like that. Something we said a lot in this podcast is to diversify your environment, to diversify yeah. your, your thoughts and processes. It takes getting out of there. Meet new people, new experiences, new backgrounds helps help you grow. You know what I mean? You have to have to do that. Like you said, take a small trip somewhere. It doesn't have to be this big extravagant trip to Europe. You know, for thirty days. If you yeah. live in Chicago, go to Atlanta. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I think another thing is that um, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm, right? Yes, in order to do it. anything. Yes. Um, and a lot of times when we take these trips or you know you spend an extended period of time abroad or do anything and you come back it's those uncomfortable periods that you remember the most that are the most fond right that time where you had no idea how to get to your hotel uh, and you couldn't speak the language but someone actually helped you to get there you know what i mean that's mm -hmm. the thing that you remember the most um so a part of it is like you are going to be uncomfortable there's no way around it and so to be comfortable with that i think will allow you to go a lot further than you than you think you can so yeah with your story uh the main thing i was thinking about is we need to change our name because we're definitely not as diversified as uh, <laughs> <laughs> <thought> I <was. laughs> um, also how many languages um do you speak or did you learn uh truthfully like okay if you ask brendan he will say four but it's not four it's like two so english okay. and spanish i speak i actually studied french in college my degree was uh bilingual french economics but i did not pay attention or focus so i can get by in french and then uh, i also speak a little bit of portuguese um just because after i came back from venezuela one of my best friends went to brazil on a very similar exchange program and so we would like Teach each other. I taught him Spanish, and he taught me um, Portuguese. So. Dang, and we out here still trying to learn English. <laughs> it's, it's not as difficult as you. I think, to be honest, the reason why I learned Spanish better than French was because you have this flight or was it fight or flight mentality, mm -hmm. where you know you have to. Like I had to learn Spanish in order to be able to eat or communicate. With French, it was like in a classroom and then you leave class and everybody's speaking English so that you don't care, right? But when, you're a for when you force yourself in an environment where you don't have any other choice but to do that thing, you learn very, very fast how to do it. And I think that that's something that benefits me, also hinders me in a lot of ways, uh, because I just jump into stuff. Because I'm like, if I jump into it, I'm forced to figure it out, right? Um, and sometimes you do that and you're like way over your head, but a lot of time you do it you figure it out and you come out on the other side, you know, a better, a better person. I definitely understand. I'd kind of do the same as well. Cause like you said, uh, those biggest challenges or the, those obstacles you think, you know, keep you up at night, once you get through it and, you know, no matter if you fell or didn't, you're like, man, I'm still alive. So when you yeah. look at other um, obstacles, you're like, you know, what's the worst that can happen. And I think, every time you do that, you just kind of um, 
just telling your stories, it's another notch under your belt and just makes you, mm-hmm. you know, even more diversified and makes you more well-rounded or wor- worldly. Just like, you know, taking another trip is, you know, seeing another place or another country um, just makes you more wor- worldly. And I think it's the same for, uh, you know, other challenges and, or, or things to embark in. Yeah. And, and I know a little bit about your story as well. So I can see that like with, with your real estate investments and things like that, right? There's no guarantee. You jump Got into it. it and then and then you figured it out. So yeah, I have uh, I can see the, the similarities. Absolutely. And one of the other things was this podcast. And yeah. uh, when you when you um, basically gave your presentation to the black and brown investors, you were really the first briefer to actually have slides. So that kind of changed the game. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. So from here on out, we, we got to have slides because yep. we can't go backwards. And then also me and Jason was texting like, we need to stop playing and do this podcast because, yeah. you know, you're giving us, you're giving <laughs> us the playbook yeah. um, as to how to do it. So what kind of spirit, so obviously, you know, you jump into new things, mm-hmm. um, and you're definitely not um, adverse to challenges, but what is in you to like want to help people? Because that's kind of um, what I really see that, you know, your makeup is. So I'm just interested in that. Yeah, I think that's actually a good question. To be honest, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, I think, so growing up, I had a lot of opportunity to be in certain spaces that pushed me forward. Like my parents scraped by to pay for private school. Um, and in the private school, they had a course called U-Prep. I always talk to Brendan about this. The course was literally to help us to get into college. Like they literally helped us. They applied for us. They took us on a college tour. They would tell us like, this is what college is like, blah, blah, blah. And so, and then uh, I was in other programs that where I got to talk to accountants and lawyers and doctors and things like that. So I feel like I was always in a space where I was learning more than the people in my community. Uh, and I had helped to get there. And I, I just feel like I didn't get where I was on my own. Obviously, you know, you have to be somewhat of an ambitious person to be able to take that information and do something with it. But what I realized through traveling around the world is that the Black diaspora has one similar problem. It's different as we are. We have one similar problem is that we don't have access to certain things. We don't have access to certain rooms. We don't have access to certain information. And so when it comes to everything that I get and I know that it helps me, I'm like, oh, uh, this helped me to get here. You should definitely uh, take this information and use it to help you to get to where you want to go. And then one of the things that's specific to podcasting, why I really want to help um, people of color start and grow their podcasts is because we've never been in a position to be able to change the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I did actually, I did a presentation the other day on podcast stats and I was scrolling through my own um, podcast homepage. Only 14% of the top 100 podcasts were of Black people. I think no, we're of women. And only 3% were Black women. So it just shows how the conversation when it comes to podcasting, the conversation is about everything, about real estate, about uh, finances, about health, about Black people are being created by white men. And I just don't think that that makes sense, right? I think that we have a lot to say and we have the ability through podcasting, also through YouTubing, through blogging, 
to amplify our voices and to say what it is that we have to say. And I think that it's, it's about time that we are able to contribute to the conversation, right? Just like diversified gentlemen, like you're, you are exposing people to different things about um, our community and things like that, right? And then with black and brown investors, you're able to expose people to things that, that they've never known before. And so that's why I'm so passionate about helping people of color start podcasts, because it's like, let's take control of the narrative and let's start our conversations. Let's start the things, start to talk about the things that are important to us. Because these podcasts out there about marketing, about real estate, the real estate podcasts are not going to talk about, you know, what it's like being a black homeowner for the first time and being discriminated against, right? What happens when you have pictures of your black wife and your black kids in your home, when someone comes to make an assessment, they're not going to talk about those type of things, but we are. So I think it's just really important to help us to, to, to tell our stories because in a way it's by us telling our stories and sharing our experiences, it's going to help us to grow as the black community as a whole. I think it's become a must. A must yeah. do. We have to start telling our stories and our experiences. And it's not that we're playing a, a victim role, it's that we go through different experiences other people don't go through. You know what I mean? And when you share that with people, they can relate and say, oh, you know what? I did go through the same thing, or I recognize this now. We have to keep doing that in different kind of platforms. You know, uh, we, 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 can't, we can't shy away from it. We can't be, you know, too scared to say things and be scared of failure. We got to put it out there, get the info out there, people, so people know about it, give them that, arm them with that knowledge. And I think like, like with the gold standard with you, you know, empowering those people that listen to your podcast, that's big. Because if you tell them on that, on there, they have never heard before. And if you don't say it, who's going to say it? Or we can sit back and wait for somebody else to say it. You know, it's important for us to do these things. And everybody has a voice. I mean, uh, Brendan talked about it before in the podcast that, um, that we did with him, is that everybody has a story. And you never know how your story can relate to somebody else. Because with diversified gentlemen, we're all different backgrounds. You know, mm -hmm. some come from single family homes. Some have two parents, some come from a poor community, some kind of little uh, bit of privilege, but we're diverse. And people got to understand that we as Black people do not all come from the same background, mm -hmm. look the same, talk the same, walk the same, dress the same. We are diverse. It's important for us to put those stories out there. That way, that one person can relate to something you say to help them progress. That's something exactly. we have to, keep, have to keep pushing forward. Exactly. And, and I think one of the things that I realized is and the reason why the podcast is around like challenges and overcoming them is it's not because our community has a lack of capabilities a lot of it has to do with confidence in ourselves and you know pushing through the fear like you, you know a lot of times you look at these people on instagram and youtube and on podcasts and they look so unafraid they sound so confident but everybody's afraid at one point you know what i mean everybody's super nervous and i think that um what i want to make sure um, to contribute to the conversation is you can still be nervous you can still be afraid just push through that like it's probably mm -hmm. not going to go away right but if you can push through that fear and still try to make something happen that's where the reward is on the other side so let's talk about podcasts um because when you gave your presentation um you kind of made it seem you went through the steps and it was a lot of steps but then you made it <laughs> seem easy like yeah. all right Free, it takes nothing to do. Uh, if you have a phone, if you have an iPad, you can record yourself um, yeah. to upload it to these platforms. It's free. So let's talk about just if someone um, kind of the misconceptions of starting a podcast or yeah, obviously it's not that easy. But if you just, you know, what do you tell people 
who are just like, you know, I always wanted to start a podcast, but I don't have the time, you know. Yeah, but I got I would, so much stuff yeah. to say. Like, what, what would you advise people? Uh, so the first thing, I think there's a few misconceptions. One is that you have to have like this incredible tech uh, platform in order to start. Um, you really only need a quality mic and a laptop. Like, that's it. You can record, if you have a Mac, you can record in an app called QuickTime that's free, that comes with your computer. And if you have uh, a guest, just you can just use Zoom. Everyone should know how to use Zoom by now. Um, and so I think that a lot of people think that technically it's difficult. Like, oh, I need like the, this top of the line microphone and this like recording sound system that's $3,000. You don't need any of that. You can get it if you want to, but you don't. When I started my podcast, I was recording in my bed that and that was it. Um, another misconception is that you have to sound polished, right? You have to sound like you work for NPR or like you're on a news channel. You can't say, um, you can't say like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I have to sound professional. And it's like, what is professional? Is professional have does professional have a sound? Is yeah. professional not curse? Is professional not, you know what I mean? Not not say like and um. And I think that when we are indie podcasters right like we're independent we don't work for a big mm. network and our audience isn't the same our audience are is our audience like my audience is uh black women who are ambitious those black women probably still curse they probably still use aave or caribbean uh patois right so a lot of the, the things that i say i'm gonna talk about where the money resides i'm gonna say girl on my podcast i'm gonna do all of those things because that's who my audience is um, and so I think that that's one of the things that I would say, especially for our community, like just be yourself because that's who your audience is coming to hear. If they wanted to hear someone who sounded like the radio, they would listen to the radio. You know what I mean? So it's okay to just genuinely be yourself and it's easier that way. You know? So much easier. Your authenticity. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the misconceptions. Um, and then the third misconception is that, you know, you have to, their misconception is that, you know, you just put your podcast episodes out there and then like people will come. Um, but there's a lot of marketing that's evolved, right? So you have to make sure that, you know, you're continually posting on social media at least two, three times a week. You know what I mean? You're asking engaging and question, engaging questions and bringing your audience to you. Um, I think that one of the, um, one of the things to keep in mind is that there are like, 800,000 almost a million podcasts now half of them are crap but the other half are good so how are you going to capture your audience's attention right um so I think that's one of the things which is on the other side but um still really important to mention um and then the last one is people I think um are trying to be perfect mm. um and I think that I'm like the opposite of like I will just get it, just get it done and get it out. We'll fix it later. Like, you know, if there's a mistake in the, if there's a mistake in the audio, put it out and I'll fix it. And then I'll change the episode. Like it just perfection. I'm not, I'm not a perfectionist yeah. at all. And I think a lot of times we're, we're very insecure about what we put out into the world. Rightfully so. Right. Because we, we are thinking of most of the time we're thinking about our peers and not the people that we're serving anyway. Mm. Um, but my motto is DMP, which is done, not perfect. And I think when we stop thinking about getting it perfect and getting it done, I think you'll, you'll be able to go a lot further and get things done a lot faster. Yeah, that's so true. Because that done, not perfect, that rings 100% true. Investing everything, yeah. Yeah, it does, man. You got to think about it. No matter how perfect something something's done or you think is done, someone's not going to like it. 
they're still yeah. going to critique it. And that's the thing about going out and putting your content out, especially like on YouTube, where you can get commented on. You're always going to have haters. Like someone's going to hate <laughs> or just talk mess, just to talk mess, just to yeah. kind of start a pop. One of the things that I did that I think was really smart <laughs> was I made the DMP a part of my brand. So anytime I make a mistake, a spelling mistake, I'm just like, well, it is what it is, right? Like we're over here trying to get things done. We're not trying to get things perfect. Um, so I think introducing that element, like a reality element of it, makes it easier to, to do the DMP thing as well. Yeah, I think what's dope about podcasts is, um, so what you were just explaining is, doesn't take much and most of us um really just watch either youtube uh videos or podcasts or listen to podcasts so you already know what it sounds like and looks like right a lot of people they don't even they're not even aware of like the content that they're um consuming um they're critiquing it so and they're uh you know gymming up ideas like man if i would have done it like that you know i could have done it and it's like, why don't you? Because it's not like a 30-minute sitcom on NBC where you need a studio and a live crowd, right? Uh, or the Steve Harvey show where, you know, it's a big production. Um, you know, you you know what you like. So why don't you put that out and just make it your own version? And just like us, you know, the, the first one you put out is going to be cr cringeworthy. Yeah. And then the next one. The unreleased version. Yeah, it's going to be a little better. And then, you know, that's just like anything in life. Um, yeah. You know, you're going to try to get better and better, but be consistent. And a year or two later, you look back and you see how far you came. Exactly. No, I think that makes perfect sense. The question I have is, so where do you see, uh, what is the measure of success for the gold standard? How do you say, yep, I did it. Success is made. Okay. So this is, um, it's going to sound a little cheesy, but when I first started the gold standard in 2018, I was like, all right, just get to 100 episodes. Like, just get to 100 episodes, and then you can figure out what happens after that. If you want to quit, you can quit. If you don't want to quit, you keep going. And then last week, I think we hit episode 101. So for me, that was a big moment because it was like, I did it. Like, I can't remember the last time I did something 100 times. I can't. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so for me, that was that was really big. Um, the other thing is, who am I impacting? Right? Am I still achieving the goal that we set out to. Uh, I did a presentation for um, a Facebook ads community a few um, last week. And one of the hosts, she, she said in the, in the episode, she was like, I quit my job this year, but while I was working at the MBA, she was working at the MBA on the front desk. She was like, I listen to your podcast every single day. And it really helped to inspire me to take the steps that I needed to do to quit my job. So I needed to figure out how to make that money. I needed to figure out how to network. And I got the inspiration and motivation from your podcast. So when I hear things like that, I, I feel like, you know, I am achieving the goal that we set out to, which was to inspire our community to try something different, to do what it is that they wanted to do. And then the third thing, of course, is money because we're not trying to, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm able to monetize um, this podcast because it is a lot of work and it is my full-time job. So one of the ways that we do that is through podcast coaching. But what my next goal is, is uh, getting sponsorships for the podcast. Uh, so I think for me, that will be like the next kind of 
level of achievement where the podcast is taking care of itself and then the podcast coaching is separate uh, and then the other business ventures are are separate from that. So for me, it's it's those three things. I think it's okay to say, you know, money is one of the ways that we measure achievement. Yeah. How, how uh, first off, that's amazing. Just like what, you know, what you just explained, but how, how like weird is it to hear someone say, yeah, I listen to your podcast all it's the time. So weird. It's so weird. It's so <laughs> weird. Cause it's like, me you listen to me talk I hate, yeah, I hate like, the sound of my own voice so like I don't even listen to my own episodes once they're out and Brendan plays my husband he plays them sometimes in the car and I'm like please turn that off now <laughs> I can't take it. so I think it's really weird and it's um it's it's like I don't want to say um embarrassing but like I, I get bashful because it's like I'm not like I'm not on my podcast giving people advice because I'm this big guru I actually like having guests um, kind of like uh, you all having guests come and tell their story and then exposing them that way. So for me, it's like, it's not really me. I'm just like the vessel. I'm just the connector, the network, like the network between you and your goals. So I don't know. I just, I still find it weird. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. That's no, definitely humbling when uh, someone says that, uh, you know, I learned a lot from you guys or whatever. Yeah. Stuff. Wow, yeah. Wow. yeah. You, you, I don't think you'll get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. But that's that's just, you know, that should be a motivating factor to, you know, everyone because everyone has a story. Everyone's yeah. been through some things and, you know, there's people out there in similar situations where obviously if you're talking about it, you've made it through it and, you know, that information could be very helpful um, to that person listening and mm -hmm. boom, you just connected with someone uh, or yeah. you just help them get through it and yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's motivation right there to, uh, yeah. to continue. I remember uh, when, when conferences were around, this was in like 2019, I went to a, a conference in Atlanta and like three people came up to me and they were like, are you, it was called the glow up at the time. And they were like, are you like the glow up podcast girl? And I was like, yes. I wanted to say no. I was like, yeah, I mean, they're like, oh, can we get a picture? And I'm like, oh, you want a picture? With it's just weird. Um, <laughs> It was it was really weird. We ended up changing the name, but um, yeah, it was really strange. That's dope. That's super dope. Well, you definitely motivated us, and uh, you motivated Brendan clearly because yeah. you know, what yeah. six months ago we didn't have this, and that was about the time you gave your presentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna give you tell you a little secret. So the presentation is a presentation. But I don't know, like, if you notice my tone, like, I throw a little bit of shade in the presentations because I feel like that kind of works with our audience. It's kind of like, why haven't you done this already? You know what I mean? So I'm glad yeah. that it worked. Yeah, it did um, work. See? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what Rick said. Talk like he's short or something. <laughs> we, right, it's like, <laughs> you yeah. see, there's literally three steps on this page and you haven't started your podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> you remember those Everest commercials where the guy was like, are you sitting oh, yeah. here on this couch? <laughs> And not yeah. do anything. That's exactly yeah. what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's how it felt. Because then we going to, you know, we talking about pushing it to the beginning of the year, and it was like, nah, we need to do wow. this right now. We need to do this like yeah. next weekend because, like, what? Why? Why are we wait? We waited long enough. We were talking about this for over here, and uh, but yeah, just you getting out there, and um, yeah, kind of your tone was like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's this is eat like. If you want to do it, there's really no reason not to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really proud of, of what you guys have done so far. And, and I love 
the podcast topic because I feel like it's it's exposing people not only to like financial um, benefits, right? Like investing in things like that, but just thinking differently as as a person of color, right? Changing your mindset and the way that you look at things. Like Brendan's episode was all about like, what it's like to be, you know, representation. What does it mean to be a black person? And I think having those conversations uh, in addition to the other conversations you have around money and finances and things like that, I feel like it gives a well-rounded picture and a lot of podcasts haven't been able to achieve that, to be honest, from what I've seen. They haven't been able to do that because, I don't know, it just, it just blends together so well under the, like, diversified title. I appreciate that. Man, it's so funny. We, we literally <laughs> have a conversation. So we're going to take you behind the scenes on our conversation. We're trying to figure out <laughs> Tell me. where we're going to go next because we were actually talking about, like, drilling down to, mm. you know, oh more God. specific topics to hit a specific crowd. But right. like you said, the the, the title kind of speaks for itself. The you know, mm-hmm. diversify, which means that's that's every everything from yeah. being black men to being uh, in the military to being uh, to having kids to mm-hmm. being heavy in investing to sports. It's it's everything. But you know, like you said, you know, you, you do got to have a standard or um, mm-hmm. something that measures your success, which. A lot of times it's either likes, it's followers, it's uh, it's financial. And yeah, that's the dilemma we're facing. But mm-hmm. yeah. So one of the things, because I, I actually had that same similar dilemma when I started, I was talking about everything under the sun, right? Like I was talking about finances, relationships, health and wellness, like just so much. Mm-hmm. And so what I did, and I teach this to my students as well, is I came up with four pillars. Um one is business, one is success, one is mindset, and the other is community. And so all of my podcast episodes that come out have to do with one or the other. So that may work also for diversified gentlemen. Maybe you talk about culture is one pillar, finance is another pillar, entrepreneurship is another pillar. And then you're able to kind of have more topics, but they all follow uh, a similar thread that may help. Mm-hmm. Nice. So when we wrap it up, we just like to give um, something tangible to, to lead the people with. And you you dropped several gems, but uh, we're about to go around and um, we're all just going to give one thing you want to leave the listeners today with, okay. with anything from either starting a podcast, from, um, you know, just anything from them yeah. kind of being, uh, you know, hesitant to start something. Yeah, I would say do it scared. Um like kind of like Nike says, like, just do it, right? Everyone's waiting for the right time. We're waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect situation. We're waiting for more money. We're waiting for this and that. Just start it, just do it. And even if you're scared, um, do it anyway, right? Do it broke, do it scared, do it without knowing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Do it without the support you feel like you need, just do it because something happens when we put our thoughts and energy behind an idea the universe rewards that, I think. So mm-hmm. that's what I would leave um, leave your listeners with. What about you, Hakeem? So going back, um, if you fail, don't look at it as a failure. Look at it as a mistake. Learn from it. Figure out what you did wrong. And, you know, try to hit it at a different angle. Just learn how to pivot. And um, you'll eventually see that success. So that's all I'll leave y'all with. Right. Yeah, I would say something that Lene said, write it down, D-N-P, done, not perfect. Mm-hmm. Some of the best ideas are in the graveyard right now because people were waiting or waiting for it to be done perfect. 
if you have an idea of something, do what she said. Don't wait. Get it done. You do not want to go years and something you could have done and it's left or somebody else does it. And you had that idea like, oh, I had that idea 10 years ago. So don't mm -hmm. wait for perfect. Follow her advice, DNP, and uh, go with that. Yeah. And with me, I mean, just echoing everything everyone else said, it's the, um, it's the same thing. You, you know, you, you'll, whatever you do, everything is hard before it's easy. So, um, you know, the first time you, you pick up a weight, it's going to be, you know, you're going to struggle and then you, you keep up, it gets lighter and lighter. Uh, the first time you, you travel and you land and you, you know, you see a new culture, um, it's going to be kind of intimidating, but then you kind of get addicted to it. You know, you're going to say, man, I want to see, you know, what else is out there? Same thing with investing. You don't need, um, you know, $10,000 to start investing. You could easily take $20, invest. You, you see that $20 make $2. And now you're like, oh man, if I put another 50, that could have been five. You know what I mean? Um, and just continue to grow, but you have to start. You have to start. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lene. That was an amazing, amazing episode. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really hope that your listeners um, get some value out of this um, episode. I hope it helps to get them started, right? Give them a push they need. And where can they find you and follow you? Uh, so you can follow me uh, on Instagram at goldstandard underscore. Um, also on Twitter at goldstandard underscore and on Facebook at the gold standard. Nice. We'll make sure we tag that and make sure y'all like and subscribe. We appreciate you. We out. See you next week.